Are you ready for the end of the world? This is Your Community Spirit, the show about caring, sharing, and preparing for the changes needed in the world as we know it. Let's bring back the circle again. Circle of family, circle of friends, the circle of being. Wake up and be healthy and therefore wealthy to the peace and joy of Mother Earth. This is Your Community Spirits. My name is Tree Song. I believe we have Orr with us on the line. Can you hear us, Orr? Good day. I'm calling in from Grand Rapids. All right. Well, good. And we can hear you, too. Which kind of confused me because it's a different time zone. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I thought I missed the show. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're here just in time. Yeah. So we've been talking for a few weeks about the Virgin Islands and Exxon going... Um. I guess you wouldn't really say mano a mano when you're talking a legal action, but... Yeah, I don't know, head-to-head since they're using their heads to file all these filings. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, the Virgin Islands, they did a lawsuit against Exxon, and last week, I mean, we were really excited about that, but last week it seemed like they caved. Yeah. Virgin Islands and Exxon agreed to an uneasy truce over climate probe. In the legal volume between Exxon and the U.S. Virgin Islands, Attorney General Claude Walker last week both managed to claim victory. But several experts pegged it more as a ceasefire in a broader battle of investigating the oil giant alleged efforts to disseminate misinformation on climate change. I guess you have to say alleged because it's a lawsuit, right? Yeah, they haven't been convicted yet, so it's still alleged. <laughs> it's this, it's this epic, though. It's sort of I'm realizing as this goes on, as I as I read this article, that it's sort of this, the first battle in the whole war between Exxon and these attorneys general. So Walker, who said his office continues to investigate Exxon for possible fraud withdrew his subpoena for nearly 40 years of documents from Exxon. In exchange, the oil corporation agreed to withdraw its lawsuit against the Attorney General for what it claims is a violation of its constitutional right to free speech. Okay, uh, uh, a company has a constitutional right to free speech? Yeah. <laughs> Fairly, that free speech right trumps the, uh, the health and safety of the public and also is not subject to... Uh, constraints based on fraud. <laughs> They're apparently allowed to say fraud statements and have that be free speech. <laughs> well, that's my editorial comment. That's not part of the story. Several legal experts said Exxon did get the better deal from the joint withdrawal. Of the various probes underway, the Virgin Islands investigation was the most vulnerable to Exxon's challenges. And of course, if the Virgin Islands pursued the case in law, it would have given Exxon legal momentum to combat investigations from both New York and Massachusetts. And so, I mean, a legal expert says this, quote, the Virgin Islands Attorney General is really not capable of taking on Exxon, and this quick retreat confirms that. It was a distraction. They were in over their head. They were going to get pounded, and it's good that they're off the field, end quote. Yeah, so it's 
It is kind of concerning, though, that part of why they dropped this uh, this subpoena was because they were being sued by Exxon. You know, that it's basically a chilling effect that, you know, the attorneys general are afraid of Exxon suing them. So that's part of why they are dropping their subpoena. Well, it sounds like all these attorney generals just need to get together and do a class action lawsuit. Yeah, I mean, it's... I, I do wonder, too, it doesn't mention this in the story, but since the other states are thinking that the Virgin Islands loss would have hurt their case, maybe they contacted the Virgin Islands, too, and said, hey, you know, if you lose here, there's more at stake than just your state's claims. Uh, right, you're asking for too much information, and therefore you have a better chance of losing instead of a more specific lawsuit. Yeah. Well, this is definitely a case we will continue to follow as news develops. This is basically an effort to hold, the first major big effort to hold Exxon to task for promoting, allegedly promoting climate science denial. I still can't get over it that a corporation can say they have the right to free speech. Well, I can understand it in principle, but I don't understand how that would justify misleading the public. You know, so right. if a corporation wants to say it likes the color blue, you know, sure, <laughs> it, you know, but if it's going to present information to the public about its industry that is false, to me, that doesn't constitute free speech. That constitutes fraud and right. with some of the other stuff, racketeering, you know, uh, that's what they got the tobacco industry on. And it seems like a very similar case for the fossil fuel industry. But I'm not a lawyer, so we're going to let the lawyers duke it all out. And we will keep you posted on the results. It's also, I feel like, a good time now to um, if to encourage, if, if you so choose, to encourage the attorneys general in your state to pursue this case. All right, let's see here. In other news, we have 31 science groups to Congress stop denying and start fighting climate change. In a blunt letter to Congress, 31 leading scientific societies reaffirm the reality that humans are causing climate change and only we can stop it. Quote, to reduce the risk of the most severe impacts of climate change, greenhouse gas emissions must be substantially reduced, they write. Yes, this is the umpteenth report from scientists. See, for instance, climate scientists were alarmed, here's why you should be. And also, IPC scientists emphasize immorality of inaction, by focusing on irreversible impacts. Just by the title of those, you can tell how adamant their statements are. And this isn't even the first letter to Congress from most of these groups. 18 of them wrote a similar letter back in 2009. But uh, as long as the media still gives presidential candidates and every other major politician a free pass on this most preventable of existential threats to America, scientists will keep reminding policymakers of the broad scientific understanding about human-caused climate change. Yeah, I mean, after all, if you're a smoker and your doctor told you long ago to quit or you start getting a bad cough, she doesn't stop telling you to quit. It's not like, you know, oh, I told you once and that's good enough. Yeah, every time you go in for the checkup, if your condition's getting worse, you're going to hear, well, you know what might help with this condition is not smoking. <laughs> And it's a similar state that the planet is right now. You know what might help with not causing all of these climate disruptions and disasters is if we didn't spew massive amounts of greenhouse gases into the atmosphere. 
part of what's remarkable to me about this is I, I haven't really researched it, but I can't think of any other topic where so many scientific agencies, organizations have come together to release public statements about something like this. You know, usually they go about their work, they do their scientific studies, they publish results for fellow scientists to to read, to listen to. But this is such a scientifically subtle topic and such an important topic that they're just increasingly directly communicating to Congress and to the public about the crisis. So the letter states, observations throughout the world make it clear that climate change is occurring and rigorous scientific research concludes that greenhouse gases emitted by human activities are the primary driver. This conclusion is based on multiple independent lines of evidence and the vast body of peer-reviewed science. There is strong evidence that ongoing climate change is having broad negative impacts on society, including the global economy, natural resources, and human health. Now, significantly, this statement is considerably stronger than the 2009 letter, which only warned of impacts to come. And so... Um, this one is actually saying it's here, it's now, and it's caused by us. Yeah. The last one said something like it, it may or it will or it might, but this one it is having broad negative impacts. So that is big news, too. And, I mean, I've read that 97% of scientists say it is caused by humans. And... I mean, that is, in case you didn't know, the majority. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. I really like the skit that they did on uh, the John Oliver's show where they, they showed there were a couple of people who were climate denialists, and then they brought out this whole stream of 97 people in lab coats, and they, were all, <laughs> they all started expressing their view on the science. And it showed how the media usually biases towards these science denialists. Because, you know, it'll have one person who denies the science, and one person who affirms the science. And that's really an imbalanced view on reality. But also, the minority tends to be a lot more vocal in, you know, their side. Very emotional and much more vocal because there's less of them. Yeah. So. What is this? Explosive trains are feeling some serious heat this week. I think any time they explode, there's heat, but... Yeah. Exactly three years ago from last Tuesday, a 74-car freight train carrying nearly 30,000 gallons of crude oil was parked for the night when, in a, fight, in a series of events, its brakes were unwittingly shut off. In the wee hours of July 6th... The tr this is like a movie. Yeah. In the wee hours of July 6th, the train began to roll downhill into the sleepy town of... Lac Megatech, Quebec, where it ran off the tracks and exploded, killing 47 people in the worst Canadian rail accident since 1864. Despite this disaster, Canada and the U.S. continue to ship flammable crude through major cities all across the country. But this week, protesters are trying to end that practice. Let's see. On Wednesday, environmental and climate activists delivered a letter addressed to President Barack Obama demanding companies stop transporting crude oil by train. 
which was signed by 144 emergency responders, officials, and public interest groups. Dozens of cities across America will play host to demonstrations aimed at stopping crude oil trains throughout the week. Already, the hashtag stop oil trains kicked off by the environmental group Stand.Earth is populating with images of these demonstrations. And, I mean, it's not like it was, like, one train that exploded. The number of oil train shipments has exploded over the past decade, from 9,500 in 2008 to more than 400,000 in 2013. So. Yeah, so they're shipping a lot more. So the more, the more of these trains that are passing through cities, the more likely it is that people are going to be killed by an incident like this. Especially and if just it's, last, yeah, just last month the train exploded in Oregon. Yeah, and I was looking at the maps. Um, they uh, Cape Girardeau that they it looks like they've got these some of these trains going through that area, and I know people in Cape Girardeau, so it's yeah. They have a blast zone map. If you'd like to receive the blast zone map, send us an email at info info at yourcommunityspirit.org. Yeah. And I can understand why emergency responders would be concerned about this. They're the ones who are going to have to charge in, you know, when oil has been splattered everywhere and it's on fire. And it's hard enough dealing with, say, a car crash. But this this giant tanker full of oil explodes in a city. That's just devastating. I want to be in denial. I don't think I want to look at this map to see if I'm one of the 25 million who will have to evacuate. <laughs> but I would think so. The train goes right through town. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and part of what it doesn't emphasize in this, too, is the climate impact of these trains, because anything that you do that accelerates the shipment of fossil fuels is going to accelerate the consumption of fossil fuels. So if we are shipping more and more by train, that means that more and more fossil fuels are being burned. So on the flip side, if we stop these train shipments going through our cities, we will also slow down the advance of global warming. It's sort of two two ways of protecting your community with one action. It's another action we can do. Yeah, here we go. We've got solar energy. That's what this next one's about. Could solar meet 13% of global power demands by 2030? The global share of electricity generated from solar power could leap from 2% in 2016 to 13% by the end of the next decade, as falling costs drive investments around the world. That's the bullish prediction of the International Renewable Energy Agency, uh, IRENA, an intergovernmental body based in Abu Dhabi, in a report published on Wednesday. Quote, Analysis from IRENA finds that cost reductions for solar and wind will continue into the future, with further declines of up to 59% possible for Solar PV in the next 10 years. I'm trying to think of what other products that people are using that are declining so rapidly in, in cost. You know, imagine if your favorite meal that you buy at the store was just suddenly going to be 59% cheaper. <laughs> well, I, I do want to clarify when they're saying 59% cheaper, they're talking about pretty much just the PV modules. The, the price of everything else has been going up, so the price has been coming down, but the overall cost of the system is, you know, not dropping that dramatically. 
Yeah, that is true. So that is a, you know, it still is going to help the costs continue to go down. But yeah, you do still have to pay all the other costs and, too. And the cost predictions of this study edged the high cost of expectations, but most analysis agree that what they're talking about is positive. For example, BP's 2016 energy outlook, for instance, estimates costs will fall 40% in the next 20 years. Yeah. Yeah, so the exact amount is still uncertain, but solar is becoming more affordable. And these are some, some of these are prices that seemed implausible just two years ago, um, according to some analysts. So it's, it's been increasing really well and ma makes it more accessible technology. Especially on the very large scale systems. I mean, um, pretty much the only type of new energy that's being installed nowadays is renewables, simply for the fact that it's cheaper to put in. Yeah, so solar is on the rise, just like the sun is on the rise. <laughs> All right, let's see what else we've got going on here. We've got our holidays, uh, National Blueberry Day and Video Games Day. <laughs> I haven't been playing video games as much as I used to. Maybe today I can take a break from some of my other stuff and play some video games and eat some local blueberries. Well, it is National Blueberry Month. Yeah. So... Yeah. Uh, this week we've got Pecan Pie Day, Embrace Your Geekiness Day, huh. and Pandemonium Day and National Nude Day is the same day. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if those two are related. You see people running around naked and there's a pandemonium that ensues. So, so it is also Nude Recreation Week as well. Yeah, the second week of July is Nude Recreation Week, so. Yeah. Oh, and July is also National Ice Cream Month, I guess because it's so hot outside. I wonder if in the well, Southern Hemisphere they celebrate that in a different month, you know. <laughs> National Ice Cream Month and National Blueberry Month. I have, it's been a long time since I've had blueberry ice cream. Yeah. Sorry. Another nice trick you can do is if you, if you have store-bought ice cream, you can add local blueberries to the ice cream. True. Yeah. I just got, I don't know, probably five or ten pounds I picked. So that's a good idea. I'm going to do that when I get home. Hey, uh, all right, let's see what happenings we've got coming up. We have the Peace Mural Dedication and Vigil. This is coming up on Saturday at noon at the Labyrinth Peace Park. The Peace Coalition of Southern Illinois and the Labyrinth Peace Park and the Gaia House are inviting the public to the Peace Mural Dedication Ceremony. It's at noon at the Labyrinth Dedication, and it's the temporarily relocated monthly Peace and, Ju Peace and Justice Vigil. They usually have that at the Town Square, but they're moving it to the Labyrinth Peace Park in honor of this uh, mural dedication. So there will be uh, a unveiling and dedication ceremony for the Peace Mural, recently completed by local artist Beth Martell, with guest speakers, live music, and refreshments. So the theme of the vigil itself is a justice theme with the theme of Now is the Time and the Blockade of Cuba, ahead of the visits of the Pastors for Peace Caravan to Cuba. 
So uh, it's a lot going on. People are meeting early for at 11 a.m. for a uh, discussion among the Peace Coalition. And then they're also uh, meeting a little early to do a labyrinth walk there as well. So you can show up early, you can show up at noon. It's going to be an exciting event. I'm really looking forward to it because I've seen the Peace Mural unfold. And now it's finally finished and we get to hear from the artist and other local people, get some local music in. Seems like it's going to be a great time. So we've heard a few people going to Cuba recently, but officially Cuba is still not open for travel. Unofficially, you know, they're looking the other way. Yeah. The campaign to Cuba, this is the 27th Pastors for Peace Friendshipment Caravan to Cuba. We'll visit Carbondale on Tuesday, July 12th. The public is invited to help welcome the caravanistas at 5 p.m. at the Carbondale Unitarian Fellowship on Parish Lane. The theme of the caravan this year is Now is the Time and the Blockade of Cuba. And so if you go there at 5 p.m., the great band Hot Sauce will be playing, and then afterwards there's um, a Cuban-themed dinner. And, of course, the... It doesn't say it here, but I'm sure they're still collecting stuff to bring there. Yeah. You know, they usually have a, a list of medical supplies that they load on the bus, then they drive to Mexico, and then in Mexico, they load it on a boat and bring it to Cuba. Yeah. And I'll have a speaker, too, talking about uh, all of that, the... Manolo de los Santos, who works with Pastors for Peace program. And uh, so, yeah, it's I've been to it before. It's a great event because it's this combination of the music and the food and hearing all about the activism going on related to trying to normalize our relations with Cuba again. So it's, I mean, it's always been an absurd policy, but it's especially absurd now that they're, you know, unofficially letting people go, but then they still have this economic embargo there's, you know, so much friendship that could be happening between our peoples, and is because of things like the caravan. Well, SIU just sent a group of students there, that just within this month. Yeah. And so, it'd be nice if we could talk to them, maybe have them come on the show and talk about what they thought of it. Yeah, that would be good. All right, let's see what else we have coming up. We have Continuing the Conversations. This is coming up on Tuesday at 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. at the Newman Center, 715 South Washington. Each, each week, a group of community members meets on Tuesday night for Continuing the Conversation. Their purpose is to build an interracial community based on listening respectfully to each other's stories. As we listen to each other, we will be building a community that strengthens our understanding and compassion for one another. So that's coming up on Tuesday at 7 o'clock at the Newman Center. Introduction to permaculture. This is an important one because the speaker, I don't know if you saw on the internet where he just got a ticket from the city for having a permaculture garden in his front yard. I did see that. <laughs> I think it would be great if the if the city chose instead to have uh, 
the speaker lead a workshop on how everybody could turn their yard into a uh, permaculture yard. Well, that is actually scheduled at the Carbondale Civic Center, so, uh, the alternatives to lawn workshop. Yeah. So this Thursday, July 14th at 7 p.m., Introduction to Permaculture at 216 East Monroe. Living in harmony on the earth starts in your own backyard. So yeah. this lecture highlights horticulture solutions, the issues of our time, and basically how to make your whole yard an edible, viable, living system, right? Yeah. Yeah, it always gets me when I look out at cities, including Carbondale, and see all of these lawns and think of what we could do instead of just planting this monocrop grass and then cutting it with these gas-powered lawnmowers. Instead, we could have food in our yards, we could have medicine in our yards. And this workshops like this Introduction to Permaculture workshop will help people get started in that direction. So, yeah, once again, that's coming up on Thursday, July 14th at 7 p.m., it's 216 East Monroe. And um, that is the township building, and you have to come in the back door, right? Oh, yes. You have to come in the back door for that. And we just well, gotta, that's where the parking lot is. Yeah, the parking lot is there, so come in the back entrance. And we just got a message from a listener that the uh, incident with Wayne was actually uh, resolved. So they're, they're letting him continue to grow his permaculture yard so that is a good thing to hear well i mean the rules basically say you're not allowed to have a bunch of weeds yeah. grow above i think it's six inches so all he has to do is have a tour and show them you know well this plant is this plant and this plant they're not weeds yeah mm -hmm. so easily resolved yeah and it sounds like that one has been resolved and, and other and speaking of lawns here's another one coming up uh this is a Mark Your Calendar one. It's coming up on Saturday, July 30th at 1230. It's Alternatives to Lawns. So uh, for more information on that, you can visit keepcb.org. And that's coming up on July 30th. We'll talk about that more in it later. But now we're out of time. <laughs> so this has been an exciting and informative episode of Your Community Spirit. I hope you've enjoyed it at least half as much as we have. And thanks, Or, for calling in from the distance to keep on the show while you're away. And we will see you here next week on the radio. And don't forget, I'm having a solar class coming up. We'll talk about it more next week. But John A. Logan, continuing ed. Yes. It's going to be put solar on WDBX. So, hey, maybe you'd like to come and join us. Yes, that makes it even more exciting. Stay tuned next week for more details. <laughs>